Welcome to The Breakdown, brought to you by Paintball Access. I am Maddie Marshall. I'm here with Todd Martinez. And that's it, man. The 2012 PSP season has concluded. World Cup was awesome. There's 361 teams there from all over the world. And as we head into the offseason, I want to talk to you guys about a few things. But first off, Todd, we got before we get into the World Cup, let's talk about Rookie of the Year contenders. So on Paintball Access, we're going to have the fans, you, vote for who you guys think is most deserving of the Rookie of the Year award. And we have five candidates. So, Todd, we've got Nick Laval from Upton 187 crew. We have Axel Godin from Moscow Red Legion. We also have Jason Wheeler from Moscow Red Legion. And Alex Rodriguez from the Ironman. And last but not least, John L.J. Woodley from the World Champions Houston Heat, who won three events this year. What an outstanding performance by Houston Heat. So, just off the top of your head, Todd, who do you think is the most deserving? We're going to go through each candidate, but who do you think is the most deserving of the Rookie of the Year honor? Well, Who would you vote for? For me, I'm going to have to vote for Jason Wheeler. I just feel like Jason Wheeler was the most productive on, throughout the, the, the entire course of the season. You know, mm -hmm. There was no rookie wall that he hit halfway through, which I kind of feel like may have happened to Axel. But, mm -hmm. I mean, Axel may have had more big games than Jason did, you know, like there's so many different ways you can look at it, you know, from, from my perspective, because it's like, well, was he contributing all year? Did he make some really big moves and some really big games? Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of a teammate was he? Did he get to play on Sunday? You know, like those sort of things are huge factors for me for determining, you know, the vote that I would cast, you know. But for everybody at home, we want you to vote for who you enjoyed watching, who you thought was your favorite player, who was exciting, who made the big moves. I mean, there's there's a bunch of different ways you could go, but I mean, we got some really good candidates here. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, the, there is no harder paintball test than the pro division in the PSP. So for these players to come in and have have the year that they had is very impressive. So as we break these guys down, let's start with Jason Wheeler. Jason Wheeler is he's the highest ranked guy in this group of these five candidates, and he was ranked sixth overall. Now. That's incredibly impressive for a number of reasons. And uh, the one thing that you could, you know, everyone's got pros or cons, each one of these five guys. One of the cons against Jason Wheeler winning the Rookie of the Year, and uh, we did a podcast not too long ago with Brandon Short, and he was saying, he's like, ah, Wheeler's not a rookie. You know, but this was his rookie season here in the PSP. So officially, yes, this, he was a rookie for this year. Now, the thing with Wheeler, though, is that Wheeler has been playing professionally in Europe since 2008. So he's had the, the, the chance to grind, upgrade his skills on that European stage before finally making the transition over to big league paintball in the PSP. And you can obviously tell that he's really, over time, become an amazing player. You know, so he uh, started out in the Tigers organization, and then he went to London Nexus, and then he ended up playing on the Tauntauns. And he still plays on the Tauntauns, and actually with Axel. And I think that one of the reasons that Moscow Red Legion ended up having a pretty good year, because, you know, Moscow got decimated at the end of 2011 when they lost Fedorov, they lost Sergei, they lost Mishka. They, those guys all went to Houston Heat, and that was one of the reasons that Houston Heat had such a big year. But, you know, with Wheeler and Axel both doing a really good job this year and producing for the best line that the Russians had, uh, it was really awesome to see them do that. So with Wheeler, yeah, he has been able to, to hone his skills in Europe. And that's also the same thing with Axel. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is that kind of a not? I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, and he is the highest ranked guy. And to be ranked sixth overall in your first full year in the PSP, 
Wow. I mean, that means he's the sixth best player in the world right now, according to the statistics. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give it to him just because, I mean, I watched all these games, you know, and I thought that he did have such a huge impact for the success that Moscow Red Legion did have this year. You know, one of the other things that you definitely want to consider is that him and Axel played side by side all season. Mm -hmm. You know, Axel was the front guy. He was the guy that was risked more often. Well, that was one of the things I was going to say is that I agree that Wheeler and he was, you know, Axel was ranked 18th. We'll get to Axel in a second as we talk about his pros and cons. But I think that one of the reasons that Wheeler was able to have such a good year was because of Axel playing in front of him and being so productive. It's really hard to play that too, to play that mid insert or insert spot where Wheeler plays most of the time playing right behind Axel, if you don't have a really consistent front player. And it was a really rough year for front snake players. For the ones on the snake side, those first guys to go, it was a tough year. We saw some technical snake layouts. We had the diamond in Chicago. And it took some players some time to figure that out. And then not only that, but you know, typically speaking, one of your most talented players, one of your most aggressive guys, your great gunfighters, those are going to be the guys that play that spot. So, yeah, I think that obviously, you know, Wheeler with being ranked sixth, and Alex Rodriguez was right behind him. He was ranked seventh. We'll get to him in a second. But I think one of the reasons that Wheeler was able to have such a dominant year is because he had somebody like Axel in front of him to grind. Yeah, definitely. But you, like you were saying, his experience definitely showed in the situations where Axel was up front and doing work. Mm -hmm. And Wheeler would you know, use that to have more freedom to break games open. But if he lost Axel um, you know, towards the end of the season when Axel wasn't living so much World yeah, Cup I was and MAO, say, mm -hmm. you, know, you didn't really see as many of those games where he would pull it out and, and save games for his team. He definitely did it, you know, on a number of occasions. But, you know, when you have that front guy up in front of you who's supposed mm -hmm. to be doing damage, and then you come behind him and you kind of work it and support, you know, it's a, it's a different role that you play. But, mm -hmm. I mean, Axel, when, he, or when, when uh, Jason Wheeler lost Axel a lot, you know, we didn't see a lot of him pulling games out by himself. Mm -hmm. But he did do it a fair share, you know, and being a first – uh, season in the PSP, you know, that's tough to do. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I think, for any player. Well, one, one of the good things that I thought Wheeler had was the ability to launch. You know, he, he would put himself in positions to play off of what was happening in front of him to play off Axel and whoever else he had in front of him in the snake. But he was putting himself in position to close points out, which was, I think, one of the reasons that, you know, obviously Wheeler's one of the favorites. Out of the five, he's definitely one of the favorites. All right, let's go to Axel. Let's talk about him. Axel from France, uh, arguably, you know, one of the best European plays out there. And I had heard for years, for the past couple years, it'd be one of those things where it'd be like, okay, well, you know, hey, the Tauntauns have this new snake player, man. He's a killer. And I'm like, oh, who's this guy? They're like, his name's Axel. I'm like, that's a good paintball name, you know? And, uh, and then, sure enough, when Wheeler and Axel both ended up on the Russians together here in the States playing in the PSP, he definitely, I, right away, I thought made an impact but I think the knock, you know, and, and Axel, he's ranked uh, 18th overall, you know, so it's like it's one of those things where um, with him being ranked 18th, it's, it puts him about middle, middle of the pack as far as the, that five are concerned. But the knock against Axel is that you got to be slightly crazy to be a front guy, to, you know, I mean, to, to play that one position because you're going to get blown to bits all the time. You're going to get shot off the break. It's going to happen. You have to kind of let that roll off of you like Teflon, and I think that, one of the problems that Axel had this year, and he could have been ranked higher, was that he would let the emo his emotions get the best of him. I think we saw that at World Cup. Yeah, I mean, the mental game, I swear, is is 99% of playing paintball. You know, you talk to people that have played paintball for a number of years, all the players that have won tournaments, won series titles, and they'll tell you how much of a mental game paintball is. You know, the second you start letting the game 
affect you is when you start making those mistakes. And towards the end of the season, what we saw a lot of was Axel just getting shot on the break, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you really can't do much about that sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes you have tournaments or days where no matter where you run, you just get shot. But I mean, towards the end of the season, you know, we saw a lot of Axel getting shot on the break and then you'd see him flipping out, throwing his loader, you know, banging on his guns, different stuff like that, you know, but wouldn't just let it go, go back, get refocused and come back out again, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that, you know, Marcelo kind of happened to him on the other side of the field too, Yeah. you know, but he, you could see the maturity because he's been in the league for a few years, the way that he handled it, you know, is where Axel and, you know, Moscow Red Legion kept sending him out there too, you know, they gave him his fair share of spins, mm -hmm. you know, and it was up to him. And when you can really tell that somebody is making mental mistakes is when they start getting penalties. Mm -hmm. And we saw, you know, a pretty decent amount of penalties coming from Axel. Yeah, he got six penalties this year. And if you look at the, you know, go check out the statistics and, you know, by all means, watch all these games on demand, check out the top 10 plays, see who is kind of doing the, the big, bold moves out there. But also look at those statistics. I mean, you can watch all the games on demand, but look at the stats too, because, you know, we have six different statistical measures. And when you look at the, you know, the points played, I mean, Axel was getting some spins, but he did get six penalties. And if he didn't get those penalties, he would have been in the top 10. Yeah. So if he had just played a little bit cleaner, but maybe that goes a little bit more towards that emotional player that he is. But at the same time, it's like you don't really want to take too much of the, of the guts and the fire out of your front guys. Like, yes, you want them to play calm and methodical because they need to be using their minds out there because that ultimately is what's going to win or lose the point and then the game in the tournament for your team. But at the same time, you want those guys to be fired up. You want them to be playing with emotion. So it's kind of that double-edged sword. You know, so with Axel, we'll see as he progresses through his career – what's going to happen with him on that. Yeah, but overall, he did have, you know, a pretty Solid. awesome season. Oh, amazing. You know, he definitely was a contributor to Moscow Red Legion, especially in the beginning of the year when they were kind of seemed like on edge as a team trying to figure out who they were going to be and what they were going to do. And I think him, uh, you know, and his solid play in the beginning of the season really helped them kind of calm down and just get back to being the Russians. And then I thought they, you know, had a pretty good season overall. They and, did. You know, a lot of it had to do with, you know, the play of Jason and Axel together. Yeah, and Moscow ended up taking sixth at the World Cup. So it wasn't the performance that they wanted to have. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. But let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the next guy. The next guy, Alex Rodriguez, the seventh-ranked player overall in the world right now, is, is, is uh, Alex Rodriguez from the Ironman, rookie year, Standout performance out of that kid, man. Yeah, I really liked the way that uh, Alex Rodriguez played. You know, the thing was about him was that he was really fearless. You know, he got to play with Justin Schwarz, Ryan Martin, and he was also used as the stuntman a lot. You mm -hmm. know, he was that guy that they'd send up the middle, you know, come onto your side of the field right away. But he was just a naturally really aggressive player. So you'd see him make moves, and, uh, you know, he would open games up for the Ironmen consistently. You know, the, the knock on him mm -hmm. was, you know, he was a rookie. And when it came to the Sunday games, he would make rookie mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, so he didn't see a lot of Sunday play. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and he he played, uh, he didn't get a ton of spins out there, but he did play a lot of the time. Um, but he was a little inconsistent. But the thing about Sunday, though, is one of the reasons that, you know, we decided here at PBA to put Alex Rodriguez up there. Well, one, he's ranked seventh overall. That's a very impressive number. And then second, he was a lot more consistent on Sunday than some of the other younger guys on that team. So, you know, one of the, you know, like Toke Hamill. Toke Hamill played phenomenal in the prelims, but as soon as Sunday would come around, he'd be catching paintballs. You know, so it's, it's one of those situations with that particular team, the Ironman, 
is that they've really got to take that, that young group of guys and, and try to, I mean, you can't teach experience. You, you, you can't teach composure, but it's, it's one of those things that after enough reps and kind of being shown the way, it will come to them eventually if it's in them. And I think it's in those guys, and I, and I think that, you know, A-Rod is, is definitely going to be a force to come as, as years progress. Yeah, I think that he at least proved that he belongs on that team and that with more time, you know, he will gain experience. Mm -hmm. And in those situations, he'll be one of those players for the Ironmen mm -hmm. that their new coaching staff will be able to depend on in the mm -hmm. future starting for the 2013 season. Now, all right, let's talk about Nick Laval, okay? Nick Laval from Upton 187 crew is, I believe, another favorite to win this honor because Nick Laval didn't have the luxury of being on, you know, for instance, like Alex Rodriguez, he's amazing, but one of the reasons he's so good is because Alex Rodriguez, he came from the Wrecking Crew, and the Wrecking Crew was the, the practice team for the Ironman for a, a long time. Eric Humphreys came off that team as well, and, uh, and so, you know, that team in Royalty, which is from Northern California, those are like the two feeder teams for the current Ironman squad right now, you know, so it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, he's been playing against top-level talent for years, so it's, it's, it's easier to become a, a professional caliber player when you're playing against professional caliber players. Now, Nick Laval didn't have that. The, the first time that, that the guys from 187 actually practiced another pro team was this year right before World Cup when they went down to Florida to play Tampa Bay Damage. So that, all that talent on 187 is all homegrown. You know, that's all grinding against each other, playing against other divisional teams in their area, and then playing divisional ranks in the PSP. That's it. You know, so it's impressive that Laval and the rest, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of rookie talent on 187. Dan Zaleski had a great year. Uh, Max Trailer had a great year. But they're not ranked as high as Nick Laval. Nick Laval is ranked 32nd. So some people may be like, well, wait a second. You know, A-Rod, he's ranked 7th. Jason Wheeler's ranked 6th. Axel's ranked 18th. But look at the players that Nick Laval, first of all, 187 only won four games this year. So they won four games out of 20. So it's, it's a situation where, you know, it was, he's playing on a losing team, so it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot harder to be a really good stand-up player on a team that's losing. You know, so the fact that Trailer and Zaleski were able to play the ball that they did, but they're not ranked as high as he is. And if you look at the guys that Nick has still passed on, on the leaderboards, on the overall player rankings, Oliver Lang is right behind him at 33rd. Dave Baines is 34th, right behind him. He's still ahead of Yosh Rao, Alex Frazee, Brandon Short, you know, legends in the game. So for him to come in first season and do that, and he's also playing every single point practically. He only sat six points all season long, which is incredibly impressive. So out of 186 games, I almost played 187 games, 187 points. So they played 186 points, and Nick Laval played 180 of those points. Now, of course, he's the one calling the plays, but that, he's the captain of the team. He calls all the plays, plays all the points. Like that's, and he's the best player on the team. Like that's, that's impressive. I mean, he's just a working machine out there, you know? And, I mean, you can tell just by looking at the kid. I mean, he's huge. He's jacked. He's athletic, you know, he's out there, he's, that's what he's there for, you mm -hmm. know, they depend on him. And that's huge for a team like that, you know, that's young, that doesn't have, you know, a, a half their roster full of veteran experienced winning pros, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, like, yeah, you're playing with guys that you've played with forever, you know, which is a huge advantage, you know, because you have that team chemistry, but you're not playing with guys who have been there and done that while you're going through it that you can look at and be like, hey man, this just happened, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, hey, calm down, you know, we've been here before, think about this, you know, he's out there, he's trying to play his game. I mean, just trying to play and, and coach and call plays at the same time, 
you know, is a feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, but, you're a coach. You know how hard it is just to call the plays yeah, without I mean, having to play. And we played on those teams where you're kind of part of the leadership of the team and before coaches really. But that's like one of the things 187 really needs is they need to get a coach. Yeah. Because that's a lot to ask Nick Laval to do. I mean, being a leader and being able to see the entire game happening while you're playing, you know, it's tough. Because you can only look one way on the break. You know, so you can see what's going on over here, and then you got to look back and see what's going on over here. But, I mean, the kid is just, I mean, he was just that team's uh, rock, you know, the whole season. And, yeah, I'm going to give a lot of props to him just for the amount of points that he played, the amount of effort that he put in, and, you know, just his willingness to go out there point after point, no matter what's going on, and, and do both of those jobs. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. So, yeah, so the, the last guy is John Woodley, but before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break for this commercial, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. There are massive opportunities, both with the sport of paintball and for your business. If we are successful in taking our sport to another level, unite with Paintball Access in our quest to elevate paintball and broadcast it to the world. There are advertising packages available for any size business. Join us. Advertise with PBA and help us change the sport for the better forever. Todd Martinez, a fine, upstanding citizen of the paintball community since 1995. Todd Martinez has worked diligently to create Raza Paintball, a brand that you can trust to outfit you and your team with quality paintball equipment. Know that Todd Martinez is for the people, and Raza has a jersey for every type of player. Todd understands the importance of education and paintball, which is why Raza designed the FCR jersey specifically for the National Collegiate Paintball Association. Todd believes that we can work together and lower your team's annual spending with awesome team packages. Create your own custom products. Enjoy playing paintball while looking amazing. Choose Raza Paintball in 2013 and make life better for your team. I am Todd Martinez and I approve this message. All right, we're back here on The Breakdown, brought to you by Paintball Access. I'm Maddie Marshall, here with Todd Martinez. It's a Rookie of the Year special. We're also going to get to a little bit of World Cup, too. But the last candidate for Rookie of the Year, John Woodley from Houston Heat. Now, he's the lowest ranked, lowest ranked out of all of the five guys. He's ranked 57. But the kicker for Woodley is that Woodley has played five pro tournaments, and he's won three of those and taken second at, at, at another one. So that's... That's insane. And another thing about Woodley is that Woodley is a producer for that team. So, yeah, he's ranked 57th, the lowest ranked guy. So that's those, the con against him. But he's a winner. He's playing on a winning team. And go and watch the finals from Phoenix. And Woodley played a ton of points in that game. And he was getting things done as he was, when he was playing those points. And it came down to Sam Monville and John Woodley as Moscow Red Legion, who was hungry for a win. And they're playing against Houston Heat, which stole their good players. And so they had re rebuilt their squad. And they're, so Heat's up, and here comes the Russians. They're pushing in, and it's who ended up the guy who ended up winning the overall Top Gun title, Alexander Burnikov from Moscow Red Legion, pushing in. And they ended up taking him out, and Houston Heat wins it on the back of Sam Monville and John Woodley. What a great story. Yeah, I mean, John Woodley, all year he was an exciting player to watch. I mean, he may not have been winning games, mm -hmm. uh, you know, winning points for Houston Heat game after game after game. But the times that he did get in was just super exciting. 
he always pulled off a lot of crazy stuff, and he was solid, he was fast, he was really versatile, and he was able to do a lot of things and make a lot of contribu uh, contributions for that team to win. But uh, for me, um, I mean, he did have a lot of talent around him. Yeah. You know? He had a great coach mm -hmm. in Jason Trojan, um, you know, who orchestrated those wins. You have the, the three Russians that we always talk about, and then you have Sam Monville and Chad George, who just had outstanding seasons. Oh, outstanding. You know I mean? Chad George was the MVP from the MAO, and, and Sam Monville was, really had a breakout year. Sam Monville's been playing paintball for a long time, and, uh, you know, actually we had some, you know, and always feel free to give us feedback. You know, go to PBA, hit up the dynamic dialogue, let us know what's up. But somebody was like, oh, Sam Monville for Rookie of the Year, and I had to post. I was like, Sam Monville's about as far away from a rookie as you possibly can get. Yeah. And he's like, but he had such a great year because it was one of those trend essential years for him where all of a sudden, you know, Sam Monville had been living in the shadow for a long time. So, yeah, you're right. I, he, he did have a lot of talent surrounding him, but, wow, what a, what a breakout year for him. Yeah, you know? I mean, I he mean, definitely had a breakout year. He definitely showed up on the scene and was, you know, made people recognize that John Woodley has arrived. Yeah. You know, and he played uh, pretty consistent throughout the whole season. You know, yeah, he didn't get, you know, a ton of playing time at World Cup, you know, as Coach Jason Trojan went with, you know, his starting five a lot. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, throughout the prelims, you know, and semis, he did play some games. And, you know, he, he was always a contributing factor to Houston. Houston well, I, I talked about Jason. I, I talked to Jason Chosen about LJ, John Woodley. And, you know, I said, hey, uh, you know, I just want to talk to you. We're going to do Rookie of the Year. LJ is going to get nominated. And so we started talking a little bit. And he's like, right now, he's my sixth guy. You know, and if he were to put in a little bit more work and, and, and get a little bit more, give a refined game, he could be one of the starting five. Wow. One of the starting five on Houston Heat. I mean, like you said, you know, Chad George, the three Russians. I mean, Sam Monville, like they have some amazing talent on that team. So it's, and I, but they had such a great bench. So many guys came off the bench, but Woodley was one of those guys. But one of the cool things about Woodley and another reason he's a candidate is because he made really dynamic moves, like you were saying. Go and watch the, the top 10 plays from Chicago. You remember that run through off the break he had? They were up, they were up a body on the break, power play. But he run off the break, runs up through the, through the center, cuts through the A and shoots all four guys himself within about 10 seconds. Like, that's what that kid, that, that's what's possible with that kid. So, and that was the coach. That was definitely, you know, we got to give the assist to the coach for calling that play because he had said, he's like, yeah, we ran that play a bunch of practice. It was working. And then they brought it to the tournament and it couldn't have paid off in a more spectacular fashion. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, John Woodley is, you know, got to consider him for rookie of the year. And he played all over the field. He wasn't just, you know, the, the next guy in the snake. You know, he played up the middle. He played on the Dorito side. He played in the snake side. He was all over the field. So, mm -hmm. I mean, very versatile. Yeah, you look at Jason Wheeler and Axel. I mean, Axel is your number one. I mean, these are all jobs in itself. I mean, mm -hmm. we can compare forwards to centers and guards all day long, you know, but paintball is a little different. But being versatile mm -hmm. is definitely huge for paintball, you know, because having a, a front player mentality, but play as a back player, mm -hmm. you know, like you see a lot of the best back players are players that used to play in the front. You know, but John Woodley, I mean, he's a rookie, and he's still playing all over the field. And Jason Trozen feels confident playing him all over the field. So, I mean, that's just a, you know, a testament to his talent, you know, what he's able to do out there. And when you're a coach and you look at a guy like that, you're like, okay, this guy's great. You know, I don't have to just try and fit him in on the snake side. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, all these guys have a lot of things going for them. You know, this is going to be a tough debate, and that's why we're going to let the, the fans at homes choose. And, and, uh, and honestly, that's what it came down to. We're sitting there debating over who should be rookie of the year, and then we thought, you know what, let's let the fans vote because everyone, every single one of these guys has a legitimate claim to that honor, but 
It's up to you guys. It's up to the fans. So go to paintballaccess.com. Tell your friends. The vote uh, it's going to start opening up the day before Thanksgiving, which is today. And then uh, it's going to run all through the next week. So check it out. Make sure you, you know, let everybody know. Share all of our content on Facebook. But I'm, I'm excited to see who the fans, yeah. you know, are going to, uh, who, who they're going to elect for Rookie of the Year. And you can do your homework, too. You know, go back to the video on demand section and watch some of these guys' games. You know, because, I mean, when we're up there and we're, we're you know, talking about the games. I go back home and I watch all the games over again to see if I miss anything, you know, see, you know, the things that we had talked about. Go back and watch these guys again and really focus on the things that they've done and how they've helped their team. Mm -hmm. And you can really see how these players have been really dynamic this season. Yeah, it's it was a crazy season. So before we go, got about, you know, five, six minutes left here in the program. But let's talk about what's it, We're going to have a whole show to break down World Cup, too. But let's talk about. Um, heading into 2013, you know, I mean, coming into World Cup, you know, we had said that there was between eight to ten teams that had a chance to win. And Houston Heat, the favorite, ended up winning it, and Tampa Bay Damage ended up taking second. So those were the two favorites. But, wow, you know, great years out of uh, San Antonio X-Factor. Um, again, Moscow Red Legion, they're going to be, you know, they took two second places. The Ironmen, who, who knows what's going to happen with them um, as we head in. You know, they, so there's a lot of, and then Infamous, I don't know. What do you what do you think is going to hold? Have you heard any cool rumors? Anything we should know about? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I really haven't heard much. You know, it's funny because usually once the season's over, it's nice to kind of you know take a little bit of time and relax. But man, I just have that. I'm like hungry and ready to get back into it again. You know, and I've heard a lot of things going around about players getting offers mm -hmm. to go to other teams and stuff like that. I heard Marcelo Margot may be on the move. I heard a few players from Infamous maybe on the move. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd really love to keep the same 10 that we've had, mm -hmm. you know, like to be able to keep that same unity and chemistry together and continue mm -hmm. playing. But you never know what's going to happen. The paintball offseason mm -hmm. is one of the craziest times of the year. You know, sometimes things happen, you know, right after World Cup. Sometimes they don't happen until two weeks before the first event. Or, or at the, who knows, you know, as we saw, like, well, okay, let's just break down, let's break down Houston Heat. Um, Houston Heat has an incredibly solid roster. Obviously, they won three events this year and took a second place at a fourth event. So I, I don't know if they're going to – I haven't heard of any big moves, but why would you mess with that team at this point? Unless they lose bodies. That the thing about a team like Houston Heat, though, is that Houston Heat is a professional paintball team. They, these are all professional paintball teams, but at the same time, those guys are playing on that team uh, because they wanted to get a chance to, to win a title. It's like, you know – like the Heat, Miami Heat, you know, it's like the, yeah. that team, that super team was assembled for that. But also, you know, they get paid to play. So if somebody else comes along and has a better deal for them, as things develop here in the offseason, who knows? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of valuable paintball players on that team. Well, just like the Miami Heat, do you take the same team that you just won the NBA championship with? Or do you add more pieces to hopefully make yourself stronger and still be honest and go back and look at where you had some weaknesses and think that you can maybe improve those? Mm -hmm. I mean, Houston Heat, I mean, the Miami Heat, they go and they add Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis, one of the greatest shooters of all time. You know, does Houston Heat look at themselves and go, man, we won three out of five events. Let's pick up We Marcello. won the series title. Something crazy. You yeah. know, is it, should we pick somebody else up to try and strengthen that roster? You know, or do you go with the same 10 consistent, you know, guys that you had that you won with and you have good chemistry with? You know, it, it's, it's sports. You know, that's, that's the way it goes. It's, yeah. Are you, do you, how do you, how do you approach, you know? Yeah. How do you approach that? Do you want to have another guy? You know, I mean, if, if you get an, opp chance, uh, an opportunity to pick up a guy like Marcelo Margot, you know, it's kind of hard to say no to. Yeah. So let's, let's check out Tampa Bay Damage. Tampa Bay Damage, uh, it's been announced that Alex Goldman is signing with Tampa Bay Damage for 2013. 
So I think that's going to strengthen the roster. I mean, obviously they took, took second at World Cup, so, and they won a tournament in 2012 without Alex. And, you know, Alex had given himself a D for the year when we did the hot seat with him. Um, but he's a little hard on himself. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to, to talk about Alex because, you know, Dynasty struggled when he played with them. But he did end up ranked 12th overall. So not a terrible year for anyone else's uh, level of play. But when you're talking about one of the best players in the game when he's on, yeah, he could have played better in 2012. So, you know, so that's a, that's a big – have you heard about anything else but damage? Um, no, just that they've picked up Mouse – you know, I mean, that just looking at their roster and the way that they played in the World Cup, I mean, I, I know that they were really happy, you know, with, uh, you know, with what happened, you know, other than losing in the finals. But, I mean, they seem like they had a really good squad. I mean, they're, they've always been real deep and talented, you know. You got to wonder after a while, you know, are people going to want to play more, you know. Yeah. Like when you have 10 guys that are all really good, mm -hmm. you know, the hardest thing is to be able to get them all out there and get them in a rhythm you know, and get guys playing, but, mm -hmm. I mean, you never know. I mean, Tampa Bay Damage, I mean, I, I, I know for a fact that Joey Blute is one of those guys that's oh, always looking to improve, you know? Abs absolutely. You may have a guy that's, that's a stellar player, you know, that's a stud, but there may be somebody else, you know, like we're just, just for example, like a Marcel Margot, you know, if he had a chance, you know, would he try and go get him? I think he would. I agree. It's it's tough though with damage because they are so good and they have so much talent and like yeah, who do you sit that but those I mean that's the problem that comes when you're a dominant team. Yeah. And so let's let's take about let's talk about uh, San Antonio X Factor. They took third at World Cup. Um, Billy Bernacci had struggled for them all year long. Check out the blog he wrote on the site on Painful Access. Very honest with himself, but he stepped up for World Cup. If he continues to do that and play like he did at World Cup, and look, I mean, they took third. That's what they were lacking all year long was a consistent was consistent snakeside production, and they finally got that, and they ended up taking third. So, you know, I think that they could be in the mix next year. And you could totally see the difference in the team and the way that they were playing just by having that presence on the snakeside at World Cup. Mm -hmm. I mean, it got so many other things going. It took all the pressure. It's funny because there was all the pressure was put on the Dorito guys early in the season. And their Dorito side played awesome. And then once they finally got their snake side coming around and Billy really started getting up there, getting kills, being alive in the 50, uh, you know, we saw Ashton Johnson struggle a little bit. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, if they can get everything going well at the same time, they'll, you know, they'll win an event. They could, they could they be could, good. They could absolutely win an event. And then let's talk about the fourth place team at World Cup before we sign off here, uh, Los Angeles Ironman. Uh, you want to talk about drama? Uh, that's going to be an interesting squad to watch in the offseason. They have Mike, uh, Mike Hammond, who's come on to coach along with Kevin Brethauer. So, you know, Mike is a notoriously um, a, a assertive coach, and he expects greatness from his players, which is why he's been involved with so many great programs and brought up so many great players. So it's like, okay, well, is, is he going to start bringing the, 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 you know, bringing the children back <laughs> to back home? Um, yeah. He's not going to get Al Alex Goldman, though, as Alex Goldman it will be playing with Tampa Bay Damage. That's one of the guys that Mike raised up. Um, but is Dalton going to come back from Dynasty? You know, I've heard there's been rumors of that Dalton could be getting a big money deal from somebody. He's a valuable asset. So I, I don't know. I think probably what's going to happen is they'll probably bring a couple more bodies out and have a brutal tryout slash grind session for, for a couple months, and then the best players will make it. I don't yeah, know what and, you think. And you know as, as soon as it's uh, December 26th, Mike Hinman's like, it's practice time. Yeah. You know, they're going to be out there grinding. You're absolutely right. I, I think they actually have a practice. Like, I think it's uh, December 1st, the weekend. Really? They already have a practice. Yeah, out. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, Mike Hinman's not scared to practice hard, often, 
you know, and just cycle people through. You know, you either want to get it with Mike Hinman or you can get to get going. You know what I mean? Pretty That's much. The way it is. It's like, you want to play? Yes? Are you going to do what I say? No? All right. There you go. There's the door. It's the stepping. Yeah, <laughs> not for real. But, you know, that's it, it's going to be a crazy offseason. We're going to be bringing you all the information as soon as we get it so you, the fans, can dig into it, sink your teeth around it. And then, you know, and also let us know what you think. You guys want you want an interview from a certain player, want to hear about anything, let us know. We'll try to get that interview, interview for you guys. So thank you guys for tuning in to The Breakdown. Make sure to go and vote for your favorite Rookie of the Year candidate. It's up to you guys. It's totally up to you guys right now, the fans, as to who's going to get that honor. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in. And, you know, we're going to be having more breakdowns, more hot seats coming at you, a lot more content all during the offseason as we build up to the 2013 season. Man, it's, it's going to be crazy. So, Todd, thank you for sitting in. We'll see you next time.
massive opportunities, both with the sport of paintball and for your business, if we are successful in taking our sport to another level. Unite with Paintball Access in our quest to elevate paintball and broadcast it to the world. There are advertising packages available for any size business. Join us. Advertise with PBA and help us change the sport for the better forever.